What's good, everyone? My name is Jacob Moses, and welcome to another episode of the Not Boring Tech Writer, where in each episode, we focus on a different skill that you can learn to enhance your skill set, improve your marketability, diversify your career, and ultimately break the stereotype that technical writing is a boring career. This episode's skill, transitioning into instructional design. Instructional design, as described by my guest, instructional designer Katie Price, means you create courses to help people whether it's a student at a university or an end user for a product, learn a new subject. Take Linda, for example, their career development website from LinkedIn. You visit the site to learn a new skill, and you find a course that, through videos, PowerPoints, graphics, and good old written content, teaches you that skill. That's instructional design. And as you learn in this episode, it's a wonderful career move for technical writers hoping to learn new skills. To help us unpack this skill, I've got Katie Price, instructional designer at Azusa University on the podcast, to share with us how technical writers can transition into instructional design, including what types of projects instructional designers work on, what skills you need to learn to excel in instructional design, and how to use your existing skills to transition into the field. And as always, big shout out to the homies over at Knowledge Owl, their creators behind a wonderful knowledge-based software that I encourage all of y'all to check out, and I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Katie, how are you today? Hey, Jacob. Doing all right? Very good. Very good. How's life in Michigan? It is finally looking like spring might be around the corner. Um, some people call this the spring of deception. <laughs> it's <laughs> going to be a bit misleading. And we're probably not done with snow quite yet. Oh, golly. But it's in the 40s today. And oh my gosh, I'm wearing like ankle jeans, <laughs> slip-on shoes. I'm bringing out crazy. all the go-to spring apparel. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Katie, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. We got a great skill together together, and that is transitioning into instructional design. Yeah. And Katie, this was a, a job title that I was unfamiliar with um, before I met you a couple years ago. And after chatting more about it, it sounds like a a great job for the tech writer to consider if he or she wants to learn some new skills, maybe pursue a new job title. So look forward to diving into it with you today. Yeah. So I didn't understand what it meant either until the job kind of fell on my lap. So um, whenever I have to introduce myself, I always say an instructional designer means that I design and develop online classes. And then people kind of have a better understanding of what I do. Yeah. So, and even that doesn't really encompass everything that an instructional designer does um, because it's really also, well, if you're in the education sector, it's um, you develop syllabi, you create content, you make videos. I create like interactive learning experiences like within the online class. Um, So like there's tools like Articulate and uh, Adobe Captivate that you can use. Um, And I make worksheets, and (laughs) I also kind of do a little bit of technical support. 
Um, and all of this stuff all falls into like a constant stream of project management. Um, because we work with cl our clients, we affectionately call SMEs, which stands for subject matter experts. Have you heard that term before? I have, but I've never heard it said phonetically. I've always just said SMEs, oh. but SMEs is kind of cool. Yeah, we call them our little SMEs because <laughs> 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 you need a little bit of affection there because sometimes working with a SME can be uh, have some tension or be a little bit tricky. Sure. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of project management and in instructional design too. Um, or there is if you work kind of in the way that my department does where each instructional designer is responsible for a course or a program like from okay. start to finish. So we don't do the um, like assembly line kind of design yeah. where one person might work on the syllabus and somebody else does the videos. In my department, um, we each kind of take ownership of our own projects and bring them from, you know, start to finish. Very good. So, Katie, thinking back, maybe the listeners wondering, how did you even get involved yeah. in, in instructional design? Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your past and how you got into this field. Yeah, I don't know if instructional design, in like the modern terms, it usually relates to things online. Um, so when I was in elementary school, like, I don't think it was a career path that like even really was available to someone because ah. <laughs> there weren't online courses in the eighties and, you know, probably most of the nineties. I don't think that, yeah. um, online courses as a whole started to really become a thing. It was called distance learning. And that was in the early two thousands where distance learning even kind of made its debut. Um, so I wanted to be a teacher, <laughs> Um, so I went to school and got my elementary teaching credential. Um, and when I was in school, I also, uh, got some experience with graphic design. Um, I had an art minor and, um, so I've always loved like computers and working on computers, Yeah. but I also was, you know, a pretty good teacher as well. <laughs> and so when I, and a wonderful WordPress theme designer as well, oh, let's yeah. include that. <laughs> so I also, <laughs> well, along the path to this instructional design, I also picked up web design. Um, and they, the two fields kind of overlap in some ways. And it actually all kind of makes sense when you think of the fact that I was a teacher. So I'm pretty good at explaining things and I like technology yeah. and I like building things online. So the two together, when you um, build something online that's meant for teaching, kind of overlaps into this beautiful instructional design space. That's um, wonderful, Katie. Yeah. So I went and got a master's of educational technology. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was teaching and I loved using the smart boards, um, which they still use in classrooms today. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'll go back to school and get my master's degree and learn how to use my smart board better. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, it was really cool, and it got me interested in using technology in the classroom. Um, and when I was in that program, there was one class called Instructional Design. Now, you can get a whole master's degree in Instructional Design, and had I known this was even something that existed, I probably would have enjoyed that more. <laughs> but just that one class <laughs> taught me how to, in a nutshell, um, design like a little mini online course and I totally fell in love with it. And now 
flash forward, despite not getting that master's in instructional design, that's the work you're doing now. You're an instructional mm-hmm. designer over at Azusa Pacific University. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, Azusa. Azusa. Um, Tell us more about the types of projects that you're working on over at Azusa. So at Azusa, I design and develop um, online classes and online programs. So I have made an entire master degree in art history online and a leadership program. Um, I've done a master's of music education program several graduate nursing programs, a doctorate of nursing program. I mean, it just goes on and on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So I'm building classes for our, uh, for our school online. Yeah. So let's talk about the traditional tech writer, Katie, Mm because as you just described the projects that you're working on over at Zusa, it sounds like a lot of things that the tech writer already does. Maybe it's not a course, but you know, they're creating documentation of software. They have, a user in mind that they're trying to teach how to use uh, a particular product. Katie, in your opinion, what skills does the tech writer already have that would translate well into instructional design if this is a a career that interests he or she? I think that there's a lot of overlap, actually. Um, Tech writers have this like innate ability to really clearly communicate a concept like in written form. Um, and a lot of what I do has is written. I mean, I'm writing content, creating worksheets, writing instruction for the students on, you know, how they're going to create a video presentation and then upload it to the course. All of that has to be written down and, Tech writers definitely have a lot of those foundational skills and you don't need to be a teacher first to be an instructional designer. I think I'm actually the only ID in my department who was a teacher um, Mm. first. So what were some of your colleagues doing prior to? I think a lot. So one of them was a psychology. He has a doctorate in psychology and he, um, did some consulting and then also fell in love with um, building classes. So I think it's, it's one pathway is to be a teacher, but another pathway is to either be in some sort of technical field um, or any sort of like education related field and then decide to get a master's in instructional design. It's really hard to get at least a university job without having a master's degree. Okay. That's good to know. At this point. But there are lots of instructional design jobs in the corporate sector as well. And you might not have to have a master's. You just, you know, in the corporate sector, it's more proof of uh, knowledge at that point. So, Katie, you talked about some of the different types of courses that you've created. And um, crazy ones, like you created a, a doctorate of nursing course. Of course, like the technical writer, we're not, you know, hyper familiar and hyper knowledgeable of every single topic that we write about. And that's why we have, like you mentioned before, the, the, the little SMEs to interact with. Um, what is that relationship like in instructional design? Is it similar conversations that the tech writer is likely having with the developers in their department? What's that like? 
Yeah, I think it's pretty similar. Um, so where you guys might be working with a developer taking like super technical things and getting them on paper. Um, I mean, that's pretty similar to working with a doctor of nursing who's trying to <laughs> explain some concepts that I have no idea about. Um, what I kind of do is try to wrangle that content out of their head and help them get it onto paper. And I just try to make sure that everything that they are explaining, like I might not know the content, but I can help the students understand like what they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to do it, how it's supposed to be done. And I, I leave the content to my subject matter expert. Um, but I kind of do all the packaging of it. Um, and I sometimes also help them with like getting their content into media presentations and videos and lectures and that kind of thing. So I don't even, sometimes I'm narrating presentations and I don't understand the content necessarily, but it's still my job to make that, um, that PowerPoint presentation and maybe even narrate it in Camtasia. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And I imagine also where you shine Katie is, despite not knowing the nuts and bolts of the entire subject matter, I imagine another skill that you and your colleagues have is your ability to maybe respond to how your students respond, you know, cause you sat down with the SME, you were able to pull out the nuggets of yeah. the information dump. I'm sure they, they drop on you. Uh -huh. um, is that an additional skill of an instructional designer is yeah. able to respond to how our students are responding? Yeah, you have to have a lot of empathy for the student. And I like to think of the student as my end customer. And the faculty is like my collaborator. But everything I do is through the lens of a student. And does it make sense to the student? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. And Katie, earlier you talked about how you package this information. And mm -hmm. admittedly, like, this is where instructional design gets most overwhelming and kind of intimidating for me because, you know, I went and got an undergraduate degree in technical writing. Um, I can write well, I think, yeah. and I, I can do like proposals. Um, and then with past work, I've done video tutorials and different kind of annotations for screenshots. Yeah. But, as I look at instructional design today, it seems like there's all these different platforms that instructional designers can use yeah. for the tech writer who just sees his or herself as just a pure writer, but wants to get into instructional design. Are there any software programs that you encourage someone to yeah. learn? So. Is, it, is it as simple as just video tutorials? Like how do we, how do you build a course? <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> you know what? It's really interesting that you say that because um, I think writing is the most important process. So I've been on the uh, interviewing committee for a couple of positions um, in my department, instructional design positions. And my boss, um, who usually is leading the committee, has always said that the writing is the most important part. And he gives them a test where they have to, he has like a pre-formatted Google Doc where they have to move the green triangle into the blue box and they have to write out instructions for how you're going to do this. It's kind of like the peanut butter and jelly instruction test. If, is that something that is pretty common among tech writers, <laughs> like knowing what that is? Yes, I did do that in university. I also made some kind of... Lego cabin, 
but that's unrelated. Written instructions? Oh, Uh yeah. Yeah, so I guess that's almost a tech writing test that my, uh, that's like part of the interview process for becoming an instructional designer in my department. Okay, well, that's encouraging because the tech writer already has their writing skills. But where does that that visual element come into play? Because, you know, like, Whenever I see a lot of documentation, we talk about visuals. Yeah, really, just we really all we're talking about is screenshots. <laughs> you know, screenshot what you're what right. you're doing so the person knows where's to click. But then I see this other documentation with, you know, beautiful graphs, yeah. and I'm like, I think I can maybe create that. Um, how can the tech writer kind of step up their visual game, which I'm sure is essential to creating these courses? Is that correct? Yeah. So. Um... I feel like it's all stuff that you pick up if you okay. like working on computers. But yeah. I mean, we do create a lot of PowerPoint or Google slide presentations. Um, I tend to push Google slides just because PowerPoint files can get bulky and large. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've got to get good at creating presentations and then you can use software like Camtasia um, to like voice over PowerPoint is a pretty strong and powerful tool. Um, And uh, there's also ones like Adobe Captivate and Articulate Storyline that I mentioned earlier um, that you can dabble with and play with. Um, Not all instructional designers use these programs and not all, it kind of depends on the job that you end up getting if they like that version of instructional design or not. Um, A lot of like, HR jobs or like, so if you're going to take like a sexual harassment module for your job, a lot of Uh those are done with Adobe Captivate. Okay. um, Where it's like official training where they need to track minutes and track answers. Yeah. Um, What I do for the university courses uses a little bit less of that um, because it's more about text reading and lectures than, you know, smaller concepts that you might create a Captivate presentation for. Um, But that's a great software to get your hands on and try out. Uh, You can also like work with Photoshop, you know, editing images, creating images. Yeah. Uh, Those kind of things are always helpful to know if you want to work as an instructional designer. Yeah. Like adding graphics to discussions can be helpful, creating infographics, um, to display like a concept that might need to be, uh, you know, shown visually or sometimes even when I'm creating tests or quizzes an instructor wants to, um, test the student on an, uh, Oh, I'm blanking here (laughs) (laughs) on like a chart. Like they want, they need a chart inputted so that, uh, for their test question, that kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah. So Katie, last question. And one that just came to mind a couple episodes ago, um, we had Bree Hilmer on the podcast to talk about um, this methodology called just in time documentation, Mm -hmm. where, you know, most of the users maybe aren't trying to understand how an entire software program works. They're really just looking for that one bit of information, you Mm -hmm. know, how do I upload that MP3 file? How do I change um, that thumbnail image? Whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's contrary to how we used to create docs where we have this big, massive list, big wall of content and makes it difficult for the user to find just that one bit of information. 
Mm-hmm. I imagine this is in contrast to the goal of your students at Azusa because they actually want to start from the beginning and level up throughout. Yeah. How can, how can the tech writer foster that approach that the student has and remember that they're not wanting just to start halfway through the course and yeah. finish up and help them incrementally build this knowledge throughout? I think it's, you've got to put on your common sense and teaching hat and think through it like you're somebody who doesn't know uh, the concept at all. And I think Mm. that's innate for tech writers. Um, But you're right. It is that more comprehensive approach versus the just-in-time. Like a university course is not going to work with just-in-time learning. (laughs) It's just not. (laughs) Very good. Well, Katie... I appreciate so much taking time to chat with me today. If any listeners want to connect with you, learn more about the work that you're doing, where can people find you online? Uh, It's probably best to connect with me on Instagram. I'm priceless design on Instagram. Can we see some of your beautiful WordPress themes there too? Sounds like it. (laughs) Yeah. So that's mostly connected to my web design business. Um, But that's probably the best place to find me online. Awesome. Well, Katie... Thanks so much again for sharing your wisdom and experience with us. And we'll chat very soon. It was fun. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, Katie. Talk soon. Bye. Thanks again to Knowledge Owl, a knowledge-based software for powering the podcast. And thanks so much to each of you for listening to the podcast. And we'll chat very soon. See ya.